mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, When Trouble Comes. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to just go to the book of Acts tonight to chapter 12 and preach a little while. Uh, something the Lord stirred my heart with. I too want to welcome the visitors tonight and uh, appreciate all of you being here. Some, good to see some friends here tonight. All of you. Good, good bunch in here. This doesn't look like a big crowd, but there's this many or more in the other building over there. So probably more. They got a big bunch of kids tonight. And several adults over there working with them, so we got a good attendance tonight. Let's look at Acts chapter 12. I want to read just about 10 verses and preach for a little bit tonight. Try not to hold you real long. Amen. Acts 12, the Bible said, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews... He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartians of soldiers. That means four groups of four or 16 soldiers that were watching Peter and uh, to keep him, uh, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. In other words, to kill him as well. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer, somebody say, but prayer, was made without ceasing uh, of the church, or in other words, by the people, or by the church, unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and smote Peter, shook him on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, put your robe on, and bind on thy shoes, thy sandals. And so he did, and saith unto him, And cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not or didn't really understand that it was true, it was real, what had happened by the angel, what was done by the angel. But he thought he saw a vision. One translation said he thought he was dreaming. Can't be real. Somebody ought to say it is real. It is real. Hallelujah. And when they passed, when they were past the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate that leads unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. In other words, a gate opened by itself. They went out and uh, passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. I want to preach tonight for a little while on the thought of when trouble comes. 
when trouble comes. This is a very troubling time for the early church. Herod, the despot, was reaching out, trying to persecute the church. The Jews were persecuting the church. Herod trying to maintain some level of peace as to stay in good graces with Rome was afflicting the church to satisfy the Jewish majority. And the scripture said that he took James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, and put him to death. And when he saw how well it pleased the people, he took Peter as well. He locks him up in prison. It's, it's the time of first fruit. It's the time of Passover. and It's right before Easter. And uh, he's going to kill Peter as well. But the night before Peter is to die, God delivered him. And I want to preach tonight just for a little while on the thought of when trouble comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your blessing, for the wonderful congregation you've given us, these people that love God. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that's away from you tonight, they'll find their way to the cross, come to Jesus, be set free. God, let your will be done and strengthen believers tonight. Let saints have faith tonight. We'll give you praise. And the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The idea occurred to me as I was praying and looking at these scriptures uh, that trouble oftentimes comes to the church. How many of you know that bad things happen to good people sometimes? Uh, Sometimes it comes unexpectedly. It comes undeservedly. I want to remind you that they were killed James and they were going to kill Peter for no other reason than they had believed everything the prophets had said and had met Jesus, the Son of God, and had committed their lives to him and were his apostles and were preaching the gospel. And they were, go- they were killing them simply for that fact. And uh, I thought like this, the enemy can truly, as Isaiah said, come in like a flood. Now, when it happens, many Christians, some that have been saved for years, decades, some that are new in their faith, uh, to say the least, are perplexed and even discouraged in the face of a new problem. Sometimes when problems show up, our first response is, Oh, no, or oh, Lord, or, or oh, you know, why is this happening? We, we really get frustrated when trouble comes along. But I want you to listen to this perspective. Peter would later write these words after this experience. He, when he wrote the epistle of 1 Peter in verse 1, and, or chapter 1 and verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. Then he says, amen, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to notice what he's saying. God has saved us by an abundant grace and mercy. God has promised us an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It fades not away. What's he saying? He said, no matter what goes on, heaven's still real. 
No matter what the enemy does, you're still going home. Hallelujah. No matter what might come your way, the Lord is for you. And if he can be for you, who can be against you? Paul would say. He went on and said, verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice. In other words, in this salvation you can rejoice. Though now for a season, for a time, for a while, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptation, through troubles, through battles, through struggles. Watch this. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is there's always going to be trouble. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not a preacher of gloom. But I want to tell you, we have an adversary. And he's on his job. He's good at his job. And just when you've got peace on every hand and are feeling pretty good about things, he has a way of finding out how to sneak in and do some damage. Can you say amen? Well, hallelujah. That's not what I come to hear tonight, preacher. Well, it gets better. Let me go on. I said there will always be trouble, but the admonition is you should always be ready for it. You should always be prayed up. You should always be worshiping. You should always be ready to praise. You should be ready, Peter would later say, if anybody asks you concerning this hope that's in you, you should be ready to give an answer. When they look at you and say, how do you do it? Annette, how do you stand under what you're going through? You should be able to say it's because my Lord reigns in Zion. Hallelujah. He sits upon the throne. He, he lives in my heart. He walks with me. He talks with me. He guides me by his spirit. His word is living in me. I shall not be moved. Hallelujah. Paul said none of these things, things like persecution, shipwreck, imprisonment, being stoned, lied upon, betrayed by a brother. He said none of these things move me. Hallelujah. How many can shout, I shall not be moved, hallelujah. I shall not be moved, glory. Jesus said uh, on the night before he would be betrayed talking to his disciples in John 16 and part of that upper room discourse, he said, these things have I spoken unto you that uh, in me you might have peace. Listen, in the world you will have, in John 16, 33, you shall have tribulation. That's a word that means Trouble. It literally means persecution. He told his disciples, you'll drink the same cup I drink. In other words, you're gonna be killed. Amen, do you hear me? And he said, in the world you'll have tribulation. Listen, but be not afraid, hallelujah. And be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, glory to God. Hallelujah. You might say, Brother Moody, things are going rough. The enemies come in. The world seems like it's crumbling around me. It seems like everything's going wrong. But I've got good news tonight. This is not the end. Glory to God. This is not our final home. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth will pass away. And Peter said the elements will melt with a fervent heat in 2 Peter chapter 3. And he said everything you own will go up and smoke. Everything the world is built. The great palace 
palaces and skyscrapers, the great uh, uh, edifices that men have built to glorify themselves and, and the great empires that men have set up one day will be destroyed and lay in rubble and the smoke will ascend up as a, as a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. But Peter then said, after the smoke clears, hallelujah, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm going to tell you, troubles come and troubles go, but those that wait upon the Lord have got something to look forward to. Hallelujah. So I'm preaching about when trouble comes. I looked at this story and and just sort of dissected these 10 verses, if I may, for a few moments, just to share what God, I feel like, spoke to my heart about. And, and first of all, I, I see in this story in Acts chapter 12, it says just, uh, if you'd just bear with me to go over the first four verses again, Herod stretched forth his hands and he vexed certain of the church. I want you to notice this. He couldn't get them all. He couldn't stop him. I, I want to tell somebody something tonight. It's sort of like Elijah when he said, said to God, I'm the only one that you've got. God said, no, I've got 7,000 hid in a cave that's never bowed the knee to Baal. And sometimes you might think you're alone, but you're not. Hallelujah. You might think God's not blessing anybody, but he certainly is. Can you say amen? God has already brought somebody through exactly what you're going through. Hallelujah. And he brought them through not, you know, limping or lame or, 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 or half beat down and beat to death, but he brought them through with victory. He brought them through with a shout. He brought them through with glory. And it'll either be on this side or the other side. Hallelujah. This God is real you can depend upon him. And I want to tell you that sometimes in the midst of trouble, if we're not careful, we can miss God's purpose in the thing. Notice this. He vexed certain of the church, killed James, and then he proceeded to take Peter. And he locks him up, puts him in prison, puts 16 soldiers around him. And it's, I thought, you know, to Peter, no doubt, this didn't make sense. Jesus had told Peter, when you're converted, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He had told Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Peter probably quoted every faith verse he knew. He probably you know, thought about every prosperity message he'd ever preached. He probably thought about all the promises of God are yea and amen. Is anybody hearing me? He's laying in a prison cell. He's locked up and bound in chains but with 16 soldiers assigned in shifts to watch over him. Are you hearing me? If there were 16 and according to this, there were two asleep and chained to him and two at the door. So that was four guards, amen, four times a day so you can figure it out. Uh, in a 24-hour period, they probably pulled six-hour shifts and their duty was don't let this man escape. I mean, he was uh, in the inner prison. He was in solitary confinement. He's laying there. There's no escaping. Can you say amen? That's why it looked naturally. But oh, I want to tell you something. Uh, sometimes uh, when trouble doesn't make sense to you, that doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. I want to say that again. 
again. Sometimes, well, I'm about to feel the Lord up in here. When, when trouble doesn't make sense to you, I can't figure out why I'm here. That doesn't mean it don't make sense. It means you've just got to have faith and God will bring you out. Hallelujah. He'll lift you up. He'll deliver you. He'll give you victory. Can I shout it tonight? He said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And then somebody said in the words of a song, you don't need to understand. You just need to hold his hand. That's all you need to do. Sometimes it just don't make sense. How many since you've been saved, you just had some senseless things happen to you? It just didn't make sense at the time. But now, you can look back and say, look what God brought me out of. Can anybody testify to that tonight? Just kind of wave at me. Tell, turn around and tell about two people, God brought me out, hallelujah. Glory to God, he brought me out. <laughs> so, the thing about God's purpose is, and I'm gonna use a theological term here, it's all wrapped up in God's providence. The providential plan of God, which simply means God can do it because he wants to. Are you hearing me? Somebody asked me the other day, said, why is it that Judas couldn't repent? Why was it that Pharaoh the scripture says plainly in every trial, when he got ready to let the people go, God hardened his heart. God messed him up. He couldn't be a nice guy. God wouldn't let him. And somebody said, that ain't fair. I said, hold on now. I said, the Bible said, can a lump of clay on a wheel, the thing being formed, say to the one that formed it, why did you make me like this? I said, what if God in his providence decided to make Pharaoh a devil just so Israel could see his glory in the Red Sea. Hmm, that's not fair. Take it up with God. I dare you to haul off and tell God he ain't fair. Hello? Well, the Bible said Judas sought for repentance sorrowing and couldn't find it. God wouldn't let him repent. So he went out and hanged himself. He wouldn't even let that work. The rope broke and he busted his guts out on the, down off the cliff when he fell. They took the money and purchased a, a, a potter's field to bury paupers. Here was one that had walked with Jesus. Here was one that had had the apostolic calling in his life. Here was one that, that could have been casting out devils, raising the dead, opening blind eyes, preaching the gospel. Anybody hearing what I'm telling you? But God in his providence had a different plan. Something to think about. Some of y'all look at me right now like, I don't believe that. I'm sorry. Take it up with God. So when trouble comes, I said all that to say this, that Romans 8.28 says, we know that all things work together for good. Somebody say all things. It may be a battle with cancer, but if you'll hold faith, it'll work together for your good. It, it may be bankruptcy you find yourself in. And you're crying and bawling, saying, God, why didn't you? The best thing you can do is say, God, will you? Are you with me? 
Because all things work together for good for them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, Brother Moody, you mean you run around confessing you're going to go broke? Oh, no, 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 no. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. I praise God all the time for what he has done, what he is doing, and by faith, what, by what he's going to do. But if I find myself in a rough spot, if I find myself in a battle, if I find myself in a place of despair and not being able to figure out what's happening, how's it happening, why is it happening, I refuse to, amen, to doubt God. I refuse, I'm gonna be like Job, I refuse to sin, I refuse to curse God. Does anybody else feel that way tonight? And Job said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him, and grave worms may eat my body, but in the flesh I'll see God. He had to have confidence to say that. So God's providence put or allowed Peter to be put in prison. Can I tell you, God could have delivered him before they locked him up. Hmm. You didn't hear me. I'll say it again. God could have delivered him and he never had to go to jail. Never had to have a mugshot or be fingerprinted. <laughs> Are you with me? So all of a sudden, Peter's in prison and he, he, he's no doubt wondering why, how. What you need to understand is that blessings and troubles can benefit us. The trial of your faith, more precious than gold. The trial and persecutions that come against you. They, they're harsh at the time. Paul said there's even times when you can't move. All you can do is just stand, have on the armor of God and have faith in the Lord. And then God will bring you out. Amen. So the most important thing about an attack is how you respond to it. The most important thing about trouble and problems and hardship is not to sit around and moan because they've happened or wonder why they happened. The most important thing is to look up and trust God and just be like Paul and Silas at midnight with, with their backs beaten into ribbons, locked up and, and no doubt about to die it seems. And at midnight, what are they doing? They're singing and praising God and suddenly God sends an earthquake and shakes off their, their, their bands and fetters and the jailer gets saved. And I know Paul would have shouted and said, it was worth the beating to get these people to Christ. Are you hearing me? Everybody today wants everything to be so easy. Hmm. Don't you ask me, preacher, to do anything that discomforts me or moves me out of my comfort zone. Oh, let me move on. You don't want me to preach like that. So the first thing we see is God's purpose is wrapped up in his providence. And then secondly, I want you to notice the response of God's people. The response of God's people. Do you know that Peter being in prison caused a unity to come to the church? Verse five said, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer 
was made without ceasing by the church unto God for him. I know they were praying people. They probably prayed over their breakfast. They probably prayed over their lunch. They probably prayed over their dinner. And before they went to bed, they probably probably had a nice little time of prayer. They probably had prayer meeting a couple of times a week. Anybody hearing me? I mean, are y'all with me tonight? I I said they was no doubt a praying people. But suddenly when their leader is locked up in prison and James has just been killed, these are the disciples. These are the ones that we know are the foundation stones of the church. Somebody here hear what I'm saying to you tonight. And all of a sudden, uh, this bunch that realizes that the ones we've looked to that have told us about Jesus, one place the Bible said they, uh, John said that we touched him, we handled him, we tasted the word of life, we saw the miracles. These were the apostles, Nick, that, that had been you know, within touching distance and had, had walked with Jesus and, and lived together with him for three and a half years. And, and they, they had, Jesus and told them when the Holy Ghost comes he'll bring all things to your remembrance everything I've commanded you somebody asked me once they said how in the world could they record all the happenings of those three and a half years with such accuracy four writers Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and uh, uh, of course I know Luke got his information from somebody else and uh, and somebody said well how, how could they record the, everything so explicitly that Jesus said really no contradiction in none of those gospels and I said have you forgotten They were with Jesus, amen. And he taught them and talked to them and spoke parables to them. And he said things like, some things it's given for you to know, but the world or the crowd can't receive it yet. You're my inner circle. And then he told them, he said, when I'm gone, the comforter will come and he will bring all things to your remembrance. Everything I told you, he'll bring it back to you. And some places it even said things they didn't understand and didn't realize when the Holy Ghost came and after the resurrection and Pentecost, then they knew what it meant. Are you with me? So Peter, being in prison, affected God's people. And the most effective uh, effect that the church can have and the tool of the church is prayer. So suddenly, now these people who are frequent prayers, They'd heard the teaching of Matthew 7 and 7 when Jesus said, asking, it shall be given you, seeking, you shall find, knock, it'll be open to you. For everyone that asketh receives, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, no man, sh- uh, it shall be open. In Luke 18, uh, Jesus spoke the parable that men ought to always pray. And he told them the parable about the, the unjust judge and, and the woman that came every day saying, avenge me of my adversary. And and the scripture Jesus said that the, the, the judge didn't regard any man. He cared nothing for nobody. He must have been a part of that Sixth Circuit Court of uh, Federal Appeals Court out there in California. He, they rule against the Constitution. They rule against the Bible. They rule against morality. They rule against the majority vote of the people. They don't care for nothing. And that's the way this judge was, Johnny. He was probably a liberal. Can I say that? He, if he'd have been in the United States, he'd probably lived in California. They 
Hey, man, he'd have been a left-wing liberal. I'm playing with you now. I got to get some kind of response out of you. But he was a liberal, selfish, didn't care for authority, didn't care for morality, didn't care for nobody. But you know what he did care about? That woman won't quit bothering me. She's here every day saying, Judge, you've got to set this right. Are you hearing me? So he's, what he was teaching was continual prayer. And these people no doubt understood that. And they knew the worth of prayer. But when Peter got locked up in prison, it wasn't just a prayer meeting. Anybody hearing me? They went in the house. They shut the door. And they said, we've got to pray. Peter, out of prison. Hallelujah. How many would like to see a real revival? How many would like to see a great move of God? How many would like to see something like Azusa Street all over again? How many would like to see something like Brownsville break out again, a seven-year revival? Let me tell you how it'll happen. It'll happen when we move beyond what's comfortable and we become people of prayer. When we get to, oh, hallelujah. When we get to the place that I cannot wait to get to the prayer closet, amen. They asked John Wesley, why is it you have such crowds of people? And you know what he said? He said, I get in my prayer closet and get ablaze. And when I come out, people come to watch me burn. Hallelujah, that'll bring revival. When the church... Church, praise the fire back down one more time. Hallelujah. So Peter's in prison by the providence of God. And the effect on the people was prayer. They got together, they prayed. And let me know when they prayed, God moved. Hallelujah. But I want you to notice something else about, about Peter's trouble. This, now this is hard for me to grasp. And it's the peace that Peter found in jail. Do, do, do you understand? Look at verse 6 and 7. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, the keepers outside the door. The, and behold, the angel of the Lord came in upon him and the light shining in the prison and smote Peter and woke him up and said, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell from his hands. Now the thing that got me was this. This is the night before his execution. Now, I've, I've heard stories about people on death row, about, you know, when, they're, when it's their time and they're going to put them in the electric chair or, or shoot them up with poison and kill them, or, and they'll, they'll ask them what's their last meal, you know, what do you want? If that's me, I'm saying I ain't caring about food. <laughs> Hello? I mean, if I'm looking at an electric chair, I'm, the last thing on my mind is a ribeye. Are you hearing me? I'm going to be you know, begging God all night to send another earthquake, hallelujah, or doing something. But Peter, chained to two soldiers, and with two right outside the door, what's he doing? I mean, he's like somebody on a certiposturepedic or whatever it is, or celiposturepedic, or what's that foam mattress, that temperpedic, whatever. I mean, Peter's, you know, you, you'd, think he's, you'd think he's at the Hilton or somewhere. He's sleeping. And, and the whole point of that is this. Jesus said, 
I will give you peace, not like the world gives, but a peace that passes understanding. Psalm 121, verse one said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help, or where my help should come from. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not allow my foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. In other words, Peter could sleep because God wasn't. Huh? Y'all with me? Hallelujah, Peter could sleep because God wasn't. He said, the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Isaiah 26 and three said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. I've come to tell somebody tonight, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know how the, uh, the, the myriads of hell's uh, demons have encamped about you. I know they may be more than you can number, but I want God to do what he did for Gehazi. Amen. And Elisha, I want him to open your eyes and look upon the hills and see chariots and horses of fire and angels of God and know that those that are for you are always more than those that are against you. He'll bring you out. If he has to shake the place to pieces, that's what he did for Paul and Silas. But in this case, these soldiers have been given command, watch this guy. And later in the chapter, when Herod discovered that Peter had escaped, he had these guys killed. 16 of them had them killed because they let Peter escape. So you would think they'd be on their job. But the same angel that woke Peter up put them to sleep. And it wasn't no little butterfly flying around either. Lunesta commercial and they just couldn't stay awake <laughs> something hit them like they was out <laughs> and the angel walks over and Peter's laying there resting and he's going now, Peter had a thing about sleeping by the way remember when Jesus was going to send me and he'd come back all three times and here's Peter And the angel says, get up, gird yourself, straighten your clothes up, put your shoes on. Then he said, put your garment on, your, your outer cloak, put it on. And he looks and the chains are fall off and the guards are unconscious. And they walk through one door and they walk through another door. And then they come to the iron gates that are always locked. And all of a sudden, the gates just open by themselves. God's power. And Peter walks outside. Wow. Am I dreaming? This can't be real. It is real.
I wonder how many people been right in the move of God. Boy, this can't be happening. This can't be real. Years ago, I prayed for a lady one night in service, and she had a, a, a real problem with her shoulder and her arm, and she'd been to doctors and been in the hospital, and, and it just wouldn't get better. And, and uh, one night, we had just had a move of God, and she came up, and uh, we, we prayed for her, laid hands on her, and power of God hit her. And before I knew it, she was going, wow, hallelujah. Had that arm up there, and you just, you know, and uh, got done praying. I said, how's that arm feel? I said, she said, it feels pretty good right now. I said, the Lord healed you? She said, well, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. Excuse me. It's time to shout. It's time to say it's real. God does heal. I remember that night in the carpet store all those 29 years ago when Gail was sitting over on the, in the, this section of the, we didn't have four sections, we had two and they weren't pews, they were old theater seats that we'd haul from Indiana and a U-Haul trailer hooked behind a Monte Carlo. Well, I was preaching from a, from a plywood pulpit and had that piano that came over on the ark that should have been buried years ago. Should, they should have threw it overboard, hallelujah. And uh, I'll never forget that. She's sitting on the front pew and, and she's been blind in one eye. Uh, you know, the eye was damaged as an infant baby a few days old and she was blind from the time, totally blind in that eye from the time she was in high school and, and we're in the church that night and the Holy Ghost hits and all of a sudden she's sitting over there and she's got her hand over what's always been her good eye and with a blind eye she's reading the Bible and shouting I can see, I can see and I never did hear her say well I hope it's real, I don't know it's, it's I'm going to wait till tomorrow and see if it's still good. It's real. Every now and then you ought to just jump up and holler, whoa, glory, it's real. Hallelujah. When the devil says you're going down, you'll jump up and holler, whoa, hallelujah, he's real. God's about to move. Hallelujah, they call. When the devil says it ain't going to happen, just get your pencil and paper out and write it down. It is going to happen. And when the devil says it is going to happen, something bad, you know, y'all just get your paper out and write down. It ain't going to happen. Because Jesus said when he speaks, he lies. He's a liar and the father of a lie. Can you say amen? I've come to tell somebody when trouble comes, it's a time for you to understand and trust in God's providence. Can you say amen? When trouble comes, it's a time to call on God's people or depend on God's people to pray. When trouble comes, it's a time to expect God's peace, hallelujah. In the midst, you can sleep through the worst of things. Glory to the Lamb of God. Amen, when trouble comes, it's a time to expect God's power is about to break loose in your life. About to break loose. I've heard people moan and mope, worry. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. There's enough evil around today to deal with. And what was he saying? Don't worry. Don't worry. Look at somebody and say, don't worry. Jesus said, don't worry. Cast your cares upon God. Why? Because God 
cares for you. Now, that's not just the word that means he has a warm, fuzzy feeling towards you. When it says cast your care, your worries, your burdens, your needs upon God because he cares for you, that simply means you take what you can't do and cast it upon God because he's waiting to do what you can't do. Amen. So we see God's provision. We see God's people praying. We, we witness God's peace moving Peter's life. And then in the end, we see God's power. Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 6 and said, be careful for nothing. That's another word that means don't worry. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. Amen. God don't want you to sweat. Sweat is identified with the curse as a result of sin. Do you know that? Because uh, Fred Wynn said this the other night, he said, uh, because when Adam sinned and, and the, the snake ended up crawling on his belly, the serpent, he used to stand upright. And Eve got stricken, you know, to, to have pain in childbearing. Ladies, it's her fault. Hello. But he told Adam, he said, from the sweat of your face, You'll have to eat your bread because the ground is cursed for your sake. And where it used to just bring forth abundantly, now it's just going to grow briars and thistles. And you'll have to till it and cultivate it and use Roundup on it and do everything to try to keep the weeds out just so you can get something to eat. Are you all with me tonight? And, and so sweat was part of the curse. And, and Ezekiel, it talks about the priest going in to minister and the, 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 recommend, the qualifications for the priest and what all they had to do to get ready was they had to bathe themselves. And then they had to anoint them. They poured nine gallons of oil over each one of them. Not only could you smell him coming, but you could track him wherever he went. And do you know that in Ezekiel, it said for them not to wear wool, not to wear anything heavy, but they were to wear linen breeches and a linen ephod and a linen robe. And in Ezekiel it says, for the very purpose of that God doesn't want you to sweat when you come into his presence. Wow. And, and literally what that means is, you, don't stress and sweat things. Does that make sense? Trust God. Because he will. How many believes he will? How many believes he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all you're able to ask or think according to the power that works in us? And that's why the scripture said greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, Nick, I'm closing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving? You mean, Brother Moody, when everything's going haywire, I should be, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Well, people think you're crazy. Who cares what they think? What are you praising God for? I'm praising him because he's about to move. <laughs> Woo! I'm praising him because if you don't step back, you're about to get hit with glory. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. We, we need to have, I preached last week, the attitude 
of gratitude, amen, for what God has done, but we need to also move in the spirit of expectation of what God's about to do and in everything with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God has never moved because somebody sat around and grumbled and complained, oh God, you don't know how bad it is, tell me. Really? What you ought to be saying is, God, I know you see this. I know you hear me. And I know that if you hear me, I have what I've asked of you. Here's my request. God, I want you to move. I'm putting this in your hand. God, do what you gotta do. If it's send a jailhouse rock, earthquake, or God, whatever it is, send an angel. Do whatever it needs. Lord, let me know the check's in the mail. Whatever you gotta do, God, just do it. Hallelujah. Can I confess something to you all as I close? I hate filing income taxes. I absolutely hate it. You're not supposed to hate anything. Well, I ain't, I ain't found that in the Bible. You don't hate people, but I hate filing income taxes. Because you've got to do all that stuff and keep up with all those things and, and try to come up with all those deductions and, professional business expenses and mileage and and uh, I knew this year we were going to have to pay and I put it off and Gail starts in January when are you going to file our taxes when are you going to file our taxes and we, we can't even watch TV because every time we're watching TV there's some nut on a commercial with, about tax preparation H&R Block or something and I'm like when are you going to file our taxes She said, why do you do this? I said, because we got to pay them. Well, why don't you go ahead and pay them? I said, because I want them to wait. So I waited till last week, just five or six days before the deadline. And here I go with my bundle of stuff down to the tax office. And I go in and to make matters worse, the lady that's always prepared my taxes retired last year. So here's some nice lady who doesn't know nothing about me or what we've been doing and how we file. She's got 19 questions and I've got three answers. So she said, you know, you can do this. And I said, well, the other lady said, I couldn't do this. She said, wait a minute. And she jerks out a book about this thick and she flops open it and she said, yep, right there it is. You can do it. Hallelujah. So when she got done, I didn't have to pay. I got money back. Hallelujah. And I told Gail, I said, if I'd known this, I'd have filed in January. <laughs> <laughs> What's that got to do with this? Nothing. I just thought it was a good story. <laughs> My point is, God will make all things work to our good. God will move for us. The day after Christmas, Gail had a stroke. I know y'all are probably tired of hearing about that, but I can't get over it. 
35 days later, I fell back here trying to do a work for God, trying to complete this beautiful expansion we did. Off of a ladder, fell on a saw, broke three ribs, punctured a lung, rode to Lexington in an ambulance. Never been in an ambulance in my life, and her either. In 35 days, we both went to UK in an ambulance. $72,000 worth of hospital bills. Thank God for insurance. I've been fussing about how much our insurance costs, but thank God we had it. Amen. And uh, all of this stuff has happened. And people, I know people, you know, they mean well, but some of the things they say, you know, intelligent things like, what were you doing on a ladder? Oh, I thought I'd just climb up there and fall off, you know. <laughs> and I said, I've been on ladders all my life. I, you know, I've, since I've been big enough, my granddad used to have to whoop me to get off a ladder. I've always climbed and worked and, and, you know, the point was simply this. I was doing something for God and the enemy attacked and I failed and I spent weeks sleeping in a hospital bed in my own bedroom because I, I couldn't even raise up out of the bed. I had to push the button to raise me up and, and roll out of the bed and, and Clyde and, and others would have to stand in front of me and, and take hold of me so I could pull up out of the chair and sometimes when I'd turn away there was tears in my eyes because of the pain and, and everybody I don't understand why that happened to you and the other day it hit me. I said for years I've prayed for people. I've, I've ministered to people and I never really knew what real pain was. Anybody here at me. Now I'm not telling you that God did that to me, but what I am telling you is this, that through that time of suffering and pain, I learned to be a little bit more sympathetic and to pray just a little bit more earnestly for people in their pain because I understand what it's like. Hallelujah. So I can rejoice in that. I still have pain in my side. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I have, I have to pull my arm in close because with those ribs broke, I still have pain. And uh, some days I'm just sore. I can't get in now the truck hardly. Just, I don't know. When's it going to be over? Bless God, it's better. One day it'll be over. But my point is rejoice. Ain't no need to complain. Ain't no need to fret. Ain't no need to run around speak negative things well God just don't ever move for me things are never going to get any better tell somebody it will get better tell somebody I see the providence of God in my life God has a plan I'm in the midst of God's people who will pray for me when trouble comes amen they'll pray more when I need them to pray I could lay down in the lion's den and sleep with peace. Hallelujah. It's the peace of God. And what looked like devastation will be a manifestation of the power of God before it's over. Do you believe it tonight? And said we hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.